story as well, um, as context for that. Um, so I was a compulsive overeater from the time that I was very young. I can remember having a food obsession, being a little kid and lying in bed and thinking about food on the, uh, conveyor belt at the grocery store and all of the uh, junk food items that I was going to purchase with my own money when I was an adult and could um, purchase and eat all the f- junk food that I wanted. Um, so the food obsession got started really young. I would sneak food uh, from my parents' house. I would eat snacks that I was supposed to sell for Little League um, and had to steal money from my dad's dresser to uh, cover the costs of that. Um, And I was overweight from the time that I was a little, little kid. My parents put me in uh, uh, commercial diet programs from the time I was eight, nine years old, um, which was very painful, um, very emotionally painful as a kid. Um, So uh, I, I was always just in a food fog my whole life, pretty much, until program. Um... So I came in, actually uh, saw, I heard of OA for the first time uh, in college, and uh, someone had posted a sign of the 15 questions, and uh, something like, do you have a food a problem for you? And I can remember being stuck to the spot where I was reading that, uh, because I always thought that everyone wanted to eat uncontrollably and just that I was the only one that couldn't control it. Everybody else could. And at that moment I knew that that was not the case and that, um, there were also others like me. Um, but it took me a little while to come into OA. Uh, I came in, uh, went to one meeting back in maybe 2004 and, uh, knew, absolutely knew that I was in the right place. Uh, but was, too scared at that time, not miserable enough quite yet, I guess. Um, went to, uh, I'm, I'm, I live in Oakland now and I was living in Oakland at that time. I moved to Sacramento in the interim and went to some meetings in Sacramento during that time. Um, but didn't stay. And then finally got miserable enough. I got the gift of desperation and I came in four years ago and, uh, and, and, um, have, you know, obviously been in now for four years. Um, so, uh, I'm gonna, it's really hot in here. (laughs) So, uh, when I, uh, was talking with a member of the committee about speaking and, um, she was saying uh, some of the uh, panels that had, uh, room available, I mean, I said, oh, you know, the plan of eating panel interests me because that is, um, you know, obviously it's one of nine tools and I use all nine of the tools, uh, but the plan of eating has been a real source of, um, comfort for me, um, comfort and, um, let's say structure, but that I feel like structure can have a negative connotation sometimes, um, but a structure in a really good way. Um, and, um, yeah, so I'll just talk a little bit about, so when I first started working the program, I, um, I started working with a sponsor and I told her, I don't think I can stop eating yet. Um, I had listened to a lot of the, um, LA intergroup podcasts and I had heard people on there say, um, I got a sponsor and my sponsor told me to eat three meals a day. So that's what I did. Or my sponsor told me to stop eating certain food items. So that's what I did. And I told her, I don't, if you tell me to do one of those things, I don't think I can do that because if I could, I would be doing that already. And, uh, and she said, yeah, that's, that's totally fine. Um, let's just start working step one. And so, uh, the first, you know, it was only a matter of weeks actually that I was working with her and, you know, she would ask me, how's your food? And I would say, oh, I'm binging. Um, cause binge eating is my story. Um, I didn't go really deep into what it was like. Um, but eating massive quantities of food, you know, going to dinner with friends, 
uh, and eating a dinner and then like getting fast food on the way home and eating another, like lots of fast food on the way home and eating another dinner. Um, that's what it was like. Um, so I had worked with her for a few weeks and, um, you know, I said, you know, I think I'm, I think I'm ready to try a commitment to abstinence. And so we talked about what my abstinence would be. We sketched out, uh, a, uh, a, a food plan just kind of for the next couple of days. And, uh, and I started, uh, I started adhering to a food plan and I did that for a few weeks, maybe a couple of months, um, until I, at my sponsor's suggestion, I went to a nutritionist and, um, I had been emailing my food every day to my sponsor. So, um, I, you know, had like typed out what I had been eating and I showed this to the nutritionist and she said, Oh, you're not eating enough. Yeah. She said, don't you feel like at dinner, when dinner comes around, don't you feel headachey and tired? And, and, uh, and, and I said, well, I guess so. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I was just so out of touch with my body that I really had no idea. So she said, I actually see this a lot with people who overeat that then, you know, they, the flip side of that is that they can then restrict. Um, so I was just bowled over to think that I had not been eating enough. Um, it kind of tickled me actually, I have to say, which I really, really, really have this disease. (laughs) I mean, I'm just like, I do not have a normal relationship with food. Um, so anyway, she, based on my needs, um, I was, um, clinically depressed at that time. And, uh, on antidepressants, I, uh, had some other health things going on. So she actually gave me a food plan to specifically take, Oh, I had high blood pressure. So she suggested a food plan for me that was specific to my needs and suggested that I needed to eat, um, not, I don't want to, I can't, I don't really want to go into the super specifics of it. Cause I feel like, you know, I'm not a health professional. This is what health was a health professional's, uh, guidance to me. Um, but basically I, she gave me a food plan that included kind of a lot of food, what I thought was kind of a lot of food. And, uh, and you know, and I sort of was like, okay, thank you. You know, I had been given food plans. I had been morbidly obese, for most of my life. So I had been given food plans by doctors and medical professionals before. And so I did not have a lot of, you know, faith that I would be able to stick to this food plan. Well, there's something magical about working the 12 steps and the nine tools that enabled me to actually uh, commit and work and, and stick to a plan of eating. And I found things like I actually had to plan out my, uh, shopping list at the beginning of the week to go grocery shopping because I would actually throughout the course of the week, actually eat the food that I had bought at the grocery store. (laughs) Instead, I was so glad to hear chuckles of recognition that other people do this too. You know, before I would like buy all this nice, healthy food from the grocery store and then it would rot because I would just buy junk food the rest of the week or whatever. Um, so, or I would like buy nice things and then like eat them all on the first day. Um, but now I found that I had to actually figure out like, Oh, how many, like, how, you know, what am I going to cook for dinner this week? And what am I going to pack for lunches and things like that? Which was, um, yeah, which was just different. Um, thank you very much. Um, so it's, uh, so that was a miracle. Wow. I'm able to actually stick to a food plan that, um, a medical professional gave me and that I feel like, you know, in this program, a higher power speaks through us speaks to us through many different channels. And I think a, uh, uh, through, you know, trusted professionals is one way that my higher power speaks to me. Um, I actually, uh, pretty early on, um, just of my own, I, I, my sponsor does not do this and she did not suggest that I do it, but I started weighing and measuring my food. And I actually, um, find, 
enormous, enormous amounts of comfort and sanity from weighing and measuring my food. I do not have to give a second thought to, did I take too much? Did I not get enough? Did I, am I going to be too hungry later? Am I going to be not hungry later? I just, I have my serving and I get to eat it all. And then I get to not think about it, um, when I'm done. And that has been an incredible freedom. Um, yeah. Um, I also, uh, have a pretty distinct, uh, view of, um, as this program asks us to, you know, what is my abstinence and what is my food plan? Uh, for me, my abstinence is no binging and no sweets. And I have not gone to the point of defining for myself, like what is a binge and what is not a binge. Um, I feel like I know it when I see it. I would know, I would know it when I see it. Um, my food plan though, there are a lot, kind of a lot of foods that I abstain from, um, because I have found the, I didn't realize for how long my brain was foggy as the result of my food obsession and just thinking about food all the time. Um, and so when I abstain from certain foods, that fog gets lifted and, um, what my sponsor refers to as the channel, there's a channel there for my higher power, um, to communicate with me and for me to hear it. Um, when I'm in my food obsession, the channel gets blocked. Um, so the foods that I have, have given up, I guess I would use that term. Um, sometimes I do miss them and sometimes I feel deprived. And at those times I, uh, I get to, you know, work all my other tools and, um, I'm reminded that the food plan is, a a, a comfortable blanket, like a soup, you know, that one that you have, that's like, maybe it's handmade and it's kind of old and ratty, but it's that really comfortable blanket that I get to wrap around me for comfort. And, um, and it's actually to the point where now, and you know, in the grand scheme of things, I, I have not been in program that long. I know that this is going to change and evolve. Um, and more will continue to be revealed obviously as I work the steps. Um, but it's gotten to the point where, you know, it used to be, and sometimes still is where I, if I have, have an experience where maybe I go on vacation or I go out to eat for a really nice meal and then I come back and it's disappointing. Like, Oh, I'm back to my food that I make myself and my, you know, regular food plan. But actually there are a lot of times when I would rather eat my food than go out to eat because it's just such a comfort to me. And like, that's a total miracle. Like that's where I know, okay, this program is really working. This program is giving me physical and emotional and spiritual recovery. Cause it's not about, it sometimes is about this still, but it's not always about like, what can I get away with and how much, you know, how much yummy food can I eat? Um, sometimes it's really about, wow, I feel better when I take certain actions, when I do certain things. Um, so I'm, I, I want to, it's not just that I'm willing to continue to do them, but I want to continue to do them. Um, so every morning, um, I set the timer and I pray for five minutes and then I meditate for, it was 10 minutes for a while. And now it's recently gone up to 15 minutes, um, for kind of a funny reason, which I can, um, I can talk to you about afterwards if anybody really is curious to know. But um, uh, every morning I pray for the willingness and ability to take the actions, thank you, that my higher power would have me take to be abstinent for the day. And I have found that to be an incredibly effective prayer, even during those times when I um, have been doubtful about God or doubtful or mad at God. Frankly, I had a really, really dear friend of mine who was my age and had a one month old baby pass away in October. And I was angry at my higher power. I was angry and I would go to meetings and share about how angry I was and that I didn't understand. And so 
I would, in the morning, I would pray, I would say, God, I'm really, I'm angry at you. And I would use different words than that, but I don't want to say on the, <laughs> I don't want to say them on the, on the recording. Um, but my sponsor would say, um, I would say, I'm so angry. I just want to yell at God. And she would say, tell her, tell her she can take it. My sponsor calls God a she. So I would do that. And then I would say, I'm so angry at you, God. And will you please grant me the willingness and ability to take the actions you would have me take today to be abstinent today? And I don't know, like, I, I don't understand it. Um, but it's, it's been working one day at a time. Um, so, um, willingness is the principle for this, uh, workshop or this panel. And, um, for me, that prayer for willingness has been really, really powerful. Um, again, obviously a plan of eating is just one of nine tools. Um, and I work all of the tools imperfectly. Um, some of them I work every day. Um, some of them I have to be reminded to work them, um, telephone and writing specifically. Um, I have to be reminded others I do every day. I read literature every day. Um, I email my food to my sponsor every day. Um, I'm in communication with my sponsor every day, usually via email and text. Um, I do service. I sponsor, um, I go to three meetings a week, um, and I work the steps. I'm actually still, I've been in program four years and I'm still on step nine. Um, I have a temporary sponsor right now and, um, she's very different than my, cause my sponsor is traveling and, uh, she's really different than my usual sponsor that I work with. And she's basically been telling me how a lot of my amends are basically not, I do not owe amends for them. And so I think maybe that's what's been going on where I've been on the ninth step for so long is that I just have a lot of like things that I'm beating myself up for basically. So I get to really work the ninth step on forgiving myself, making amends to myself and letting, letting it be okay that I'm human and I'm imperfect. Um, yeah, I don't know how much time I have left, but I think that's, oh, I will wrap it up there. Thank you so much for letting me share. Um, okie dokie. Um, please keep the Ask It Basket circulating. And our spec second speaker is Colette. Hello, I'm Colette. I'm an abstinent, compulsive eater, restrictor. Hi. Um, so I've been in program for over 13 and a half years, and I have been abstinent from binging, restricting for 13 and a half years. Um, I found out about OA uh, from a friend um, whose counselor asked her to go, um, and I started OA in August of 2002. Um, I've had um, six different food plans um, since I was in program. Um, I do uh, use a vegetarian food plan. And um, my first uh, abstinence was a general 301 um, plan where I left out my major um, target food. Um, so as a chubby kid, I learned, um, the diet mentality by the time I was seven years old, um, and yo-yo dieting and food restriction were my, my best companions throughout my college years to deal with stress and pressure from parents and teachers. So uh, when younger and, and in college, I was a ve vegetarian. 
um, who exercised daily and was always on the go. Um, and in August 2002, it had been a few years since I had practiced vegetarian uh, meal plans. And for a few years until about 2008, I dealt with my childhood food allergies. I was learning to make a food plan where I ate moderate meals for health. And in later 2008, I found that I had developed more food allergies um, to mostly uh, proteins. And at this point, I became a vegetarian again. Um, and so um, I remain that today because I still am allergic to um, foods that I found in 2008, even though I have not had them. Um, and so um, I've been working with a nutritionist for the last year um, to help me um, to have a, mo have a balanced meal plan. And I remain healthy today from heart disease, high blood pressure, cholesterol, and diabetes, which run in my family of origin. Um, so I found some readings uh, in Voices of Recovery and the For Today. Um, I want to put those in my talk, but when I was thinking about this, I thought, well, what are the steps um, that I use in my food plan? And um, one of the first things I did when I found program in August 2002 was to get the um, OA 12 and 12 and get the workbook. And I started working on that even though I was only doing a 301 food plan um, because I really didn't know my target um, foods too well. And so I started right in with working the steps while I was getting into finding my first food plan. Um, so when I was growing up, I knew um, about a higher power, but I didn't have a connection with a higher power. And um, so I was able to get a higher power connection through my meetings and reading the literature. And um, so I have um, one day or afternoon a week where I cook um, basic dishes that I can eat. Um, I always have basic, basic dishes already made in my um, refrigerator. Um, and I also have, um, make sure I've got the correct containers to store, carry, and or freeze the items as they're needed. There's nothing worse than um, getting all your fresh fruit foods and making a wonderful recipe and then going to store it or to pack it for your lunch and not have the right container to pack it with. Um, to give you a story about that, um, I recently um, had a piece of Tupperware that I thought was um, sealable <laughs> and took a salad and was in a hurry, so put my little um, topping on it and ended up with a wet lunchbox. Um, so not a good thing. So having your um, having your containers to store, carry, and freeze items are really helpful. And then I go over a weekly schedule to see what days. I need to um, pack food or if I'm going to be out to an event. Um, 
I usually will want to either pack my own meal or offer to bring my bring something that I know that I can eat to share. Um, that works really well, and most times people are very uh, willing um, to accept me bringing a, a, a dish. Um, and then I vary food items with the season, and as I harvest the garden, um, it saves money. Um, I have different types of foods all throughout the year in California. I've got, I've got a garden the whole year round, and um, it's, it's amazing to see what comes up. Comes up. Um, and then I have um, three meals a day, uh, one plate of food with six to eight uh, glasses of liquids, um, unless I'm exercising on that day. And if needed, I'll have a small snack after exercise. Um, and then I only have a liquid after dinner. Um, I use journaling or lifelines for half an hour when I'm in a stressful or a hungry spot. Um, and I also will do texting or calling um, of people, which helps too. Um, I really do like uh, using the lifelines um, when I'm under stress uh, or when I'm hungry half an hour with a lifeline and that stress is gone and my brain is clear and I can figure out okay um, so I know I've got stuff in my refrigerator so what am I going to have tonight um, the way I work my plan is I have everything prepared and then I don't plan and write down everything for a whole day I will have it prepared I'll use I'll deal with one meal at a time and then I know what I've eaten and then I can write that down after I've eaten it so that I don't get amnesia and then for the next one I'll do the same thing but if you would give me give me a meal plan and say okay you have to have this for breakfast this for lunch and this for dinner no matter how nutritious it was or or how great it tasted I will tell you um, I can't do that okay because um, being put on a being put on a diet by the time you're seven years old um, was one of the most hardest things that I ever had to do in my whole life and um, being seven I didn't get the chance to say oh okay well can I have this for for my lunch is this a good thing for my lunch you know, I had, I had my mother telling me what I could eat for lunch. And, you know, sometimes that lunch didn't feel like it filled me up. And yet I had to walk back to school, even though I didn't feel full, and then walk back home. Um, so I think that's something left over from, from being on a diet as we say um, by the time I was seven um, and so I want to talk a little bit about three things that I found in the literature I always love to do this Okay, so <clears throat> this first one 
is January 31st from 4 today. And it says, it takes no effort, no risk, no investment of myself to stand back and not participate. There is no chance of being disappointed. But today, I choose to shout yes to life and take whatever comes my way. Indeed, to even get out of my way. I know I'm not alone. I have a higher power to keep me in balance. Okay, so um, on that one, you know, I liked this one because, you know, it's really a risk when you take a change, when you make a change in your life. Um, how many of us have made a change in our life and it was really easy to make? It felt good. Okay. Okay. For the most part, um, usually change is pretty hard to do because it makes us step back and take a look at ourselves and say, Okay, I'm not happy with this, so I'm going to try and do something different. And then what do we have to deal with? Fear? Indecision? Well, maybe I should do it this way. Or, no, I'll do it that way. It'll work better. Um, so that's why I picked this one, because... Um, I know change is hard, and so, you know, it involves taking risks, and so I want to be up here and applaud you guys for making changes and taking risks in your life, just as I do. That's a big thing. And then the other one um, is about willingness. It's January 20th from 4 today also. And it says, When a man's willing and eager, God joins in. I shameless. When a job or situation or personal problem seemed too hard, I used to say, I can't do it. In OA, I've tapped a source of greater power than myself. All I need to start an action is willingness. Sometimes willingness comes easy. Sometimes it is locked head-on with defiance. What is the willingness formula? Prayer. When the miracle happens, I watch a defect evaporate, a task easily done, a problem solved. In program, God is doing for me what I cannot do for myself. So... When I, when I found program in August 2002, I was hurting so bad, and I was so in the food that I thought nobody else knew where I was at. So I kept coming back. From the first meeting, I kept coming back. I did. I have not left. I did not leave this program. 
This program has been a lifeline to me. Okay. And I, I do, I did find that willingness to um, get that literature read, get those steps started, and figure out what those target foods were that I couldn't eat. And um, I did get a sponsor also. Um, okay. So the last one I want to leave with you is the Voices of Recovery. I really like this one really well. It's March 9th. And they're talking about abstinence. And of course we know abstinence is very simple. It is refraining from compulsive overeating and continuing to work my program. And abstinence is eating balanced meals, using the OA tools, and practicing the steps and traditions, sponsoring and doing other service. So um, we, we remember that uh, our recovery is threefold, physical, spiritual, and emotional. And um, so we can't separate our food plan, physical, from our emotional and, and spiritual recovery. They all are, are working together to make us the joyful people of recovery that we are today. Thank you for being here. Um, just a second. I'm going to take some of these questions out, and then let's circulate the Ask It Basket one more time in case people have other questions. So let's welcome our third speaker, who is Carol. I have pictures. So Ella can start passing those around. My card is on the back. So if you want to take my name or phone number, it's on the back. Also, my home meeting information is on the back of that. And that means I'm going to get my pictures back because my name's on the back of it. <laughs> I'm Carol. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I started programs September 20th, 1983. So God willing and the crick don't rise, I will have been in program this fall, 33 years, abstaining 18. Yep, I always look around. Who said that? Um, it's just a miracle that I've been abstaining that long. Um, of course, my first 15 years, I had on and off abstinence, um, you know, when I turned 60 three years ago, I had been in program 30 years, abstaining 15. And I loved that. I've been in program half my life, abstaining half of that. And I had years of abstinence on and off in the first 15 years. Um, but it was really fragile. Um, I've been keeping off about 55 pounds, just for the grand number. But my abstinence started off being very fragile. Um, 12 grapes, and I was abstaining, 13, and I was off. Um, so I had, my abstinence was very like glass. It was easy to break. It was um, really hard to maintain. And um, I didn't work the tools very well. I started in Pendleton. Actually, my first meeting was in San Francisco in 1979, and I didn't like the God talk. And, um, and I... I tried to get a hold of the gal who took me to that on, face, I, on Facebook. I tried to get a hold of her, and I, I don't know if uh, we, made, we didn't make connection. But the seed was planted, and I knew where to go when I couldn't lose the weight. Um, 79, five, four or five years later in 83, I knew I couldn't do it. Um, there was no way in this earth that I could take any weight off. I weighed 185 pounds, went into the hospital, had a 10-pound baby boy, and came out weighing 185 pounds. You do the math. You know, <laughs> There is no math to that. I ate everything they put in front of me. That was my go-to for all emotional pain. Um, food made me feel better. It made me feel everything better. 
and I, uh, it was my drug of choice. Um, but I, in 1983, I knew there was nothing else I could do, so I went back to OA. Um, I don't think there was a whole lot of recovery at that meeting, and we'd all say, we've got to make phone calls, and we'd all go home and wait for those phone calls to come in. <laughs> and one time, I, I counted seven people at the meeting, so I called one of them every night between the meetings. And I, by making those phone calls, it's essential to my program. I have a, now I have a daily discipline. I call it my morning meds. And I, um, I tally up the contacts I've made the day before and whether I prayed, meditated, and, um, and I plan my abstinence. I, I think of my abstinence. I have three meals a day, and I think of where I'm going to be doing them. I don't write down my meals. I have weighed and measured, and it helped me gain perspective on what is a normal amount of, of a food. And when I started abstaining pretty good, I was going to as many OA things as I could. And I lived in um, southern Oregon, and we had a retreat up there every year. And I was, my second OA meeting, we got locked out, and the third OA meeting, I want the key, I'm going to take the key. I, I, I dial in the program. I, as I told somebody earlier, I fill vacuums. Somebody didn't bring the key, I'll bring the key. We need an intergroup leader. I'll be the intergroup leader. We need a secretary. Okay, I'll be secretary now. We started the intergroup in Southern Oregon. That was back when they were just starting intergroups, and we started having a retreat because um, that's what you did in OA. You had retreats, and we had speakers, and one of them had us write out our abstinence. And about two years later, we had a speaker in 1998, and somehow what she said at that retreat and what I said and what I heard it fell into place. I'd been going to meetings 15 years, doing service, reaching out, doing what I needed to do, and it clicked. So don't give up until you get the miracle. Keep coming back. Um, if It's going to happen here. It's not going to happen while you're at home waiting until you get thin enough to come back. Um, so my abstinence, I, I figured out what I would need to eat to maintain what I wanted to weigh. I don't diet very well. I don't white knuckle very well. So I started, I figured I needed about 1,800 calories, and I, I did all the math on this. And I started eating what I wanted to eat the rest of my life. And because I was heavier than what I wanted to weigh, and I was eating enough to support what I wanted to weigh, I lost weight. And I was, you know, it always scared me. You, you in some, some OA, like with the, the gray sheet and all that stuff, you, um, you diet, and then you add stuff back in. Oh, that goes into a scary place for me, adding stuff back in. I, I just, I want to, it's a comfort for me, like Lisa said, where my, my food plan is my food plan. I can live with it the rest of my life. I can take it anywhere. It's flexible enough. Um, I've lived, I've been married a couple times, and um, serially monogamous, as, I, as I've heard it called. Um, and I keep up with my partner's food when I'm not abstaining. And they're men. They eat a lot. So I have a small plate. I like a plateful. I don't want this and this and this and nothing's touching. I want a plate full. So I use a small plate. And then I get my plate full, and my sweetie has a big plate. And we're not in competition. I'm not trying to eat what he eats um, as much as he eats. Uh, and that's worked for me. Um, Willingness. You have to be willing to be willing to be willing. I heard it said once, the sponsee asked the sponsor, how long do I have to go to meetings? And the sponsor says, until you want to. <laughs> yeah. And willingness is a trap. Don't wait till you're willing to do it. Make those phone calls. Make it a discipline. 6 o'clock to 6.30, you know, make those phone calls. Don't wait. And if I... I like compare it to if when I, I exercise. I exercise pretty much daily. I try to do it four times a week. I do aerobics. God graced me with osteopenia about four or five years ago. So I have to exercise to keep, so I don't get osteoporosis. I have to exercise. I have to do weight-bearing exercise. And so I do aerobics. I try to do it four mornings a week because it's something you can't 
skip all week and then do eight hours on Saturday. You have to make the phone calls. You have to abstain on a daily basis. I have to put the energy into my abstinence on a daily basis that I put into overeating. I have to make the phone calls. I have to do the writing. I have to um, put as much time as I would have put into overeating into the not abstaining. And um, abstinence may be the most important thing in my life, but the phone calls, the writing, the meetings, if I don't do those things, I'm not going to abstain. So corollary is those things are as important to me as abstinence is. I have a sponsor. We've been working together since 2000. Um, We call each other. We co-sponsor because I went to a meeting. I wanted somebody that was good with the big book and, and committed to program. And um, I went to a meeting. I, I moved to Northern California, and she was at the first meeting I went to. And so we've been sponsoring since 2000, ever since. Six o'clock every morning, we talk to each other, and we read one of the daily books. And lately, she had some trouble with food, so she gives me her food. Um, and I don't think she needs to do that, but it works for her. I have to do what works for me. And when I do my daily discipline, I, I imagine my foods, my breakfast, my lunch, my dinner. I make salads for myself. I make nine salads at a time because the salads take about 25 minutes to make a piece. So I just take an hour and make nine of them, and then I've got them in the refrigerator. And um, I don't white-knuckle very well. So I, I wanted to – I knew sugar was a problem, and sometimes it's not a problem and sometimes it is. And it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes you burn your fingers and sometimes you don't. So just stop playing with it and you won't burn your fingers ever. Um, so I made, for my God can, I took um, an address label. 33 times, sugar, 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 down the whole page. And I cut them up so I'd tear one off each morning and put it in the God can. And tear the next one off the next morning and put it in the God can. Finally, I didn't pick it up again. Because... You know, you can put this stuff down. It's easy to put down. Piece of cake? Sorry. (laughs) But to pick it back up, that's what I do. You can swear off. I can swear off all I want. But, you know, picking it back up is where my problem is. It's too easy to pick back up. This time it won't hurt. That's the disease talking. Um, This time it'll be different. That's the disease talking. Just this once. Again, that's the disease talking. And, boy, that disease talks in ways that it's a disguised voice each time. And I hear it each time. And I go, oh, yeah, that makes sense right now. But it's got to be bottom lines with the abstinence. No eating between meals for me. When the meal is over, when I eat alone, I often eat with the phone on the table. And I know who I'm going to call. And when the meal is over, I push the plate away, and I call that person, and I say, dinner's over. Great way to make a phone call. You've got a reason to call. And halfway through the meal or the meal's over, and I'm not going to eat. It's no problem. I'm not, I'm not inventorying the kitchen cupboards, which I can do, sitting there going, hmm, what's in there now? And um, my disease says, you don't need to make that phone call. You're fine. But I make the phone call anyway because that's what the disease wants me to buy into that I'm okay, willing to go to any length. I mean, it talks about that in the big book. I gave up reading and eating because it was a trigger. I love to read and eat more than anything else in the world, more than anything. I grew up doing that. I went to college doing that. I almost flunked out of college doing that. I'd sit on my bed, and I'd I'd read and the side of my bed against the wall where I'd prop the sweet drinks, the quilt was, was stiff because I kept spilling stuff. And um, I don't know where I was going with that, but reading, reading and eating. God, I'd rather do that than anything. And so I finally made the connection. I'd had friends that had to give up television because they couldn't watch TV and not overeat. You know, if, if I'm abstaining and I want to break it, yeah, it reminds me of that poster, the two birds, the two vultures sitting there going, patience, hell, I'm going to kill something, and I'm abstinence, hell, I'm going to eat something. So I, um, I keep getting mixed up in where I'm going. I, I had to give up reading because it was a trigger. I love to read and eat. And so five years I didn't read novels. 
And I was, I've heard people say we, we should have a subgroup here called Overreaders Anonymous. Because <laughs> it's an escape. And, but then five years into it, this friend of mine said, you really don't read novels? Do you think you could maybe go it again? And the connection was broken. I can read now. I can read novels, um, and I don't have to eat. I, I, and it doesn't drive me to it. It's, you go to any length. You have to be willing to do what it takes. I've heard people say, oh, I'd stand in the corner naked and stack BBs if they told me it would work. Yeah. Phone calls, meetings, sponsor. That's all it takes. And they're boring, and they're not sexy, um, and they're mundane, and they're hard. And, you know, they're, they're not sexy things to do. You've got to just keep doing them on a daily basis, though. I have my daily discipline, and every morning I, I check what I did the day before. And if things are looking a little slippery slopey, I ramp something up, make more phone calls. I don't have to make three phone calls, but I'm better when I make three or more phone calls. I have to leave my number. That's part of the rule. You can't just make the phone call. Whoops, nobody's there. Number one down. <laughs> have to leave a message. Have to leave the phone number. Um, I, I count reaching out um, emails to and letters, but phone calls are the most important. And um, I'm isolated. I live 60 miles from my closest meeting, Wednesdays at noon, and they don't meet in the summertime because it's too hot and everybody's a snowbird. Um, and I go to, I live near Vegas, and that's two and a half hours away. So I go to some meetings in Vegas, and I go to these little meetings in Pahrump when I can. I try to go to one a month, but my home meeting is a phone meeting, and there's a lot of recovery at that phone meeting. Um, we had lunch today down here, the people that go to that phone meeting, because it was started by people in Region 2. Um, but, and that's when I'm sponsoring somebody, they have to do three things. They have to have a home meeting. They have to give service when asked. And God, I can't remember the third one right now. But you have to go to meetings. If I'm not going to meetings, I'm not doing what I need to do. I'm not taken care of myself. And I've heard it said three phone meetings equal one face-to-face. Nah, if you've got the choice of face-to-face, take the face-to-face. Thank you. But, um, but I love this program. I'm not, a, I'm not a jerk anymore. I'm not a creep. Or a, I, can, I can go there. I know what it's like. It's not erased totally from the memory. Um, but I'm a decent human being so much of the time now, and I, I don't judge people. Um, I don't complain, criticize, or condemn. You know, it, it happens, but it doesn't, doesn't go out the mouth very often. Um, I'm just, I'm happier to live with. I, and I'm abstaining, and um, boy, the food can make you crazy when you're making choices. I don't eat randomly. I, I, I have a breakfast, I have lunch, I have dinner on my small plate, and, and then dinner's over. And it doesn't, I used to eat one meal a day, all day long. And all food was my food. And now my, my rule is, if I didn't buy it, I don't eat it. That goes for all that stuff in the office that's just out there free. Or the stuff in the refrigerator when somebody's on vacation. And, you know, you could buy it and replace it before they get back. But if I didn't buy it, if it's not my food, I can't eat it. Anyway, I will um, close and say thank you for, for looking like you're listening. Thank you. We end at 5. Okay, 16, minutes. 16, well, we end like a little bit before 5. So, Okay, um, I, I looked over some of these things, and a couple were to specific people. So I'll give this to you, Lisa, and you can read the question. Okay, the question is, very new to program, how did your sponsor react to the professional to the pro- professional recommended food plan rather than what OA suggests? Um, so my understanding is that uh, uh, OA has, you know, there's that um, 
pamphlet, Dignity of Choice, that has some, you know, possible food plans. But I don't think OA has an, any particular plans of eating that they endorse. So my sponsor was totally fine with it. She actually was the one that recommended that I go to a nutritionist because she said, I'm, she said, I'm not a medical professional. Um, so, you know, I think we get outside help in this program whenever we, it's indicated. Um, I see a therapist, I see other, you know, I see a dentist and a doctor. And so a nutritionist was part of that. Okay. This is also for a specific you said your abstinence was like glass, easy to break. What changed that? What is it now? Well, it's three meals a day on a small plate um, with nothing in between, and I think as much changed up here as um, what changed on my abstinence. And God removed from me the desire to overeat. When I stopped eating sugar, when God took away the desire to stop eating sugar, the desire to eat carbs left, too. And I was going, God, I didn't plan that. I want my carbs. Um, and I, they're not, I still eat them when I, once in a while. But um, it just evolved in, you keep coming back and it changes. Um, you grow up, you get more mature. Uh, you realize what worked for you in the past or what didn't work for you in the past. It's got to, has to be changed. I hope that answered. Do you have any mental, spiritual quantifiers to your abstinence? Why or why not? Um, I would say that I have to be in connection with my higher power um, on a daily basis. And if I'm not able... To be like that, then my abstinence would be in trouble. So, yeah. Okay, this question is, what if you are in an unusual situation, like staying up all night at a dance party, having late night insomnia, etc.? How do you deal with hunger at 4 a.m. with your plan? Um, so this is when, for me, with where the action plan really comes in. Um, so I didn't, I forgot to say this, but my food plan is uh, three meals a day and one snack, a uh, snack between uh, lunch and dinner, or yeah, between lunch and dinner. Um, my snack actually is not optional. Um, so I, if I know I'm going to be like up earlier than normal, like if I have to catch a 4 a.m. flight or something, then my I plan with my sponsor and make an action plan for that. So maybe I add an extra snack. Um, or if I know I'm going to be up super late, I would plan for that and add an extra snack. And of course, unforeseen things happen. Um, so if, if I want to change something about my food plan, I just text it to my sponsor. So I've done that before, like, oh... I go on a date and I don't eat as much as I had planned for in my food plan. And then later in the evening, I'm starving. I text my sponsor, okay, I didn't eat enough. I'm going to add, I'm, I'm eating X, Y, and Z. Um, but I'm very specific about it. So, you know, if my stomach's growling at 4 a.m., I would text at 4 a.m. like I'm going to eat X and Y, but be very specific about what it is. And it has a beginning, middle, and end, or it has a beginning and an end. What do people mean when they say they are abstinent but their food is not clean or is sloppy? Like an example, uh, when does this rise to the level of a slip or a relapse? What do you think? I know it's individual. I think they're being judgmental on themselves. How many in this room have perfect abstinence? I mean, nobody. I have never heard anybody say they had perfect abstinence. Maybe a few people. But I think, um, I think it's kind of a... I get tired of people who are abstinent complaining about it. It's not clean. Well, you know, either clean it up or get over it. <laughs> um, and if it's getting sloppy, well, sit back and look at it. Get to a retreat. Get to a convention. Work with your sponsor. Um, when is it a slip or relapse? I think that's kind of up to you and your sponsor when it's a slip or a relapse. Sometimes it's a mental thing, and if it's a relapse... I'm off and running. Uh, there's no stopping it. But if it's a slip and I don't call it relapse, I can get back on. And God, sometimes the hardest thing to do is getting abstinent. Staying abstinent 
can be hard, but it's not as hard as getting abstinent when you don't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, so keep your abstinence as, as precious as it is and um, cut yourself some slack. Don't be judgmental. Don't be perfectionist. I mean, 13 grapes, what's the difference? A bunch of grapes is abstinent. And don't, you know, not a basket full of grapes, but mm, be realistic and, and bounce it off my sponsor if I need to. Thank you. What is your go-to tool you use when you are triggered to eat a non-abstinent food or binge food? Um, well, for the first, the first thing I do is I don't have anything um, in my kitchen that I would consider a trigger or a binge food. And so if I don't have it in my house, um, I feel that that I'm fairly safe there. Um, as I said before, I'm going to run for a lifeline um, and read for a half an hour. And if it's really bad, I'll journal about it, and I will reach out, call the sponsor, or call somebody until I get a a live person on that phone, and sometimes it's hard to do that instead of getting a uh, voicemail. How anxious were you when you changed food plans? Hmm. Um, I don't think I was anxious. Uh, I think I was uh, just uh, uh, didn't think it would work. Didn't think I'd be able to stick to it. And then uh, was amazed, uh, witnessed the miracle of this program when I was able to stick to it. Um, so I don't think that I was anxious. Is anybody else anxious with your food plan? Um. With my food allergies, when I had to change my food plan, um, because I had multiple food allergies, I had to let them all go at once. Um, And, yes, that made me really anxious. Um, What I did was I got to more meetings during that time, and that helped better me be more calm. Can you talk about how one can be abstinent and have some flexibility in your food plan? Um, I think so. You know, you, um, I, have, I have protein and I have vegetables and um, I have a plate. And um, when I go to potlucks or something like that, I have one plate and it's not a platter. Um, and I... I I don't like being hungry, and if I'm going too long between meals, drinking is not eating, and I have, I'll buy those little cans of, of fruit juice. I don't buy a pitcher because I'll drink the whole pitcher because it tastes so good, but um, I buy a can to get me through. But, um, yeah, flexibility is good. It, it, it's got to be something you can live with the rest of your life. Um, it can't be, I've heard of people being stark raving abstinent and it's not a happy place. Um, it's hard to get it, but, um, working with your sponsor and if your sponsor doesn't, can't work with you on that, find somebody else who can, um, going to a nutritionist is probably a really good idea. Um, because you know, what's healthy when I first weighed and measured, I was amazed at how much more I could eat than I thought I could. Um, so I hope that helped. Thank you. Okay. Um, it's now time to um, close the session. Um, sorry if your question didn't get answered. Um, I'm sure there's somebody in the room or one of the panelists who will be happy to talk to you. 
Um, and I'm supposed to announce one more time that we have a few more Saturday dinner and Sunday breakfast speaker events tickets available. Dinner is $50. Breakfast is 30 Go to the registration table on the second floor to get your ticket. It's now time to close the session. Uh, please stand and join hands as we close with... Oh, let's go for the serenity prayer.